0: Hey, listeners. Um, Thanks again for listening and supporting us. Um, When we recorded this episode, it was just in the beginning of the uh, fire tragedies um, that are happening across Oregon, Washington, and California. Um, So before the episode kicks off, uh, we just want to say our heart goes out to everyone who have been affected by the fires, um it's not over uh it's not going to be over for a while uh we know that um this is a traumatic experience on top of everything else that has been happening this year um so we just want to say that uh our hearts are with you all and we just hope that uh all our listeners are safe out there and um you know just take care of yourselves take care of each other and um i'm sure we will talk more about these fires in the next week's episode so, again, uh, thanks for listening and uh, be safe and um, be careful. And, uh, take care of yourselves. What do you mean? What do you mean? What do you bring into the table? What do you mean? What do you mean? What do you bring into the table? I'm going to bring two you a story. What do you mean? What do you mean? What do you bring
1: to the table? What do you mean? What do you What do you bring to the table? What do you What do you What do you bring to the table? What do you What do you bring to the table? Welcome to What do you bring to the table? This your girl Sylvia, she, her, and hers. Hey, this is Tori, she, her, and hers. And we're back here from our little mini break. Well, my mini break, so we didn't get to take a mini break. <laughs> no, I got to
2: work. Some people got to pay bills around oh, here, all anyhow.
1: right? Oh, <laughs> anyhow. Some people got to be hustling out there. Hey, slinging- I had to wait six months to use this vacation time. Because <laughs> my job, they don't they don't let you take it till six months after, so... I was wow. like, well, let's l- Aren't it. you privileged? <laughs> uh, we're back here at the table uh, today. We have a wonderful repeat guest. No, it's not Alex Jones. <laughs> it is Eric Strong. Coming in strong.
3: Hey, everybody. How you doing? Uh, he, him, and her. Glad to be here again. Thank you for inviting me back. Uh, I, th- I think you meant His. His.
1: <laughs> I mean, I don't wait. I I don't want to assume.
3: I don't want to assume. It could be. It could be. He just
2: started a new trend. We don't know. (laughs) No,
3: he, him, and his. Okay. Slip of the tongue. Um, See, I was trying to get it in before you guys remind me.
2: Yeah, but I was about to say, maybe we need to have your wife on this uh, (laughs) podcast
1: right now. A big gender reveal. No No shame. No shame. But, you know, (laughs) welcome back, Eric. Glad to have you back. Um, lots going on, lots going on, lots going on with, uh, with black lives matter movement with protest. And now currently the West coast is on fire. Um, a lot of that happening as of yesterday and the day before, um, everything's safe down there for you. You're, you're safe, right? You're in the city, right?
3: Yeah, I'm in the city. Yeah. Uh, we are, I mean, the cars and, and the ground outside is covered by ash. Uh, but as far as uh, being in a, in a fire zone, I'm safe.
0: Good, good, good. Wow. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Yeah, because they were saying, I think the last I read, one of them, one of these big raging fires was 0% contained. Uh huh. And that I think that's the biggest one, the 0% contained down there in Cali?
3: Probably so, yeah. One of them was moving very, very fast.
2: Yeah, and the I, I, the winds up here are pretty gusty, it was I don't, and they were gusty last yesterday. night. I don't know bananas. what they are like
3: down there right now, Eric. Mm. Um, we have a breeze, but it's not too bad. I'm sorry. Go ahead and take okay. a message. That's for me. Right. <laughs> Hold on. D, tell your mom I'm doing a podcast, please. <laughs>
1: This is real. This Why is real right now.
3: You can edit that out. I know. Yeah. <laughs> we are
2: live.
1: You know it's live. Well, we got D.
3: sorry. i
1: Bring my dinner. <laughs> this sorry. is the real lives of podcasters. We don't get paid to do this. We ain't got no right. secretaries take our calls no for us. no producers.
2: No editors. No administrative
1: assistants. No. My bad. We just got Eric. That's hot we're lucky to have guests. <laughs> we'll take you any way you are. All right. So you said you guys got a little breeze. Uh huh.
3: We have a little bit of wind. Nothing much where I am. Right where I am. Okay. Um, but it could be, you know, a lot worse up uh, where the fires are.
1: Yeah. 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 For sure. It seems like the winds have died down here. It was. It was bananas last night, though. Um, yeah. Yeah. We yeah. had the We we don't have central air like some people do. Um, and so, but we had to shut up our windows last night cause I, I was like inside the apartment. Like I, I Ugh. was, yeah, it was smoke inside. Oh. Yeah. That's terrible. Cause then you have to be circulating, oh, you know, the, the fans kind of Yeah. It's just, yeah, it was, it Ugh. was not, not good. And then I yeah. got, you know, I got some friends and family in areas where there's like, you know, level one, level two evacuations. So fortunately they're all in the level one areas, but they're close to the level two. So Um, you know we're just keeping keeping an eye on things yeah hopefully everyone remains safe
2: and they get those you know those people that are kind of stuck out there hopefully well and and
1: i would say is if you know i know this is going to air after but these fires aren't going to go out tomorrow but if if they tell you to get ready that means get ready that doesn't mean like oh it's going to be fine or it's over there because the thing about wildfires and i know this from actual experience during my let's see i did i did fight fires yes and those Mm. fires can switch like in seconds the wind will will shift they create their own wind and the next thing you knew you are in trouble so take it from someone who's done it if they tell you to get ready get ready if they tell you to get out get out there's nothing that you own that is more important than saving your life and getting out. Right. Yeah, for sure. Thank you for that. So TSA that's my public announcement. service announcement for <laughs> firefighters. <laughs> Firefighting. Yeah, speaking of, there was some firefighters down here um, in the McKenzie area near Eugene that actually were trapped for a little bit today, but they got them out. Hmm. So. Oh, wow. Luckily, yeah. Wow. But we're not here to talk about fires today. No. As much as interesting as they are. Um, <laughs> we're here to talk about all the other things that were going on before the fire started. Um, yeah. we got and- the, we got the, uh, Kyle Rittenhouse, um, murdering two people and allegedly, allegedly yeah. murdering two people and shooting one. Uh, we got the Portland, um, protester, uh, Trump protester or Trump supporter protester murdered. Um, and then his alleged protester shooter killer also killed by the police um mm-hmm. right. that made national right i'm assuming
2: you oh, heard yeah. that eric down there
3: about the you know, Portland. I, I no i hadn't heard it um prior to you telling me about it uh oh. i'm sure it probably is on the national news but i hadn't seen it or heard it and usually i i get a lot of things on the internet online um i don't sit down and actually watch the news anymore like most people well yeah, I, yeah. Most people don't do that anymore. But um yeah, that when we talked about it, uh, that was the first time I heard about it.
1: Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh,
3: yeah.
2: Okay. Well, I'll bring up the story so that you can get the full four one one. Um, mm-hmm.
1: so where should we begin? I feel like it's a you know, therapy episode. Like, where should we begin? Tell <laughs> me so how you feel. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> maybe we should start first, I
2: guess maybe with the, you know, Mr. Blake getting shot eight times which is why it, what started the whole well it didn't start it but you know intensified it and then mr. Kyle and what any updates on what we know about mr. Kyle coming into a town that he didn't belong to protecting property he didn't own uh, with a weapon that you know oh with the weapon that he didn't uh, was not legally supposed to have with a mother yeah yeah i think that's
1: a good that's a good spot too like because we were kind of chatting yesterday when we were trying to record and we had all the gremlins and whatnot you know just getting in our way um and you know that that for me that's like the the one that things stick out is that he traveled now granted it was like 15 miles so it was like you know probably from like here to here to washington to southeast portland right so yeah Um, which I, you know, I live in Vancouver, so technically I'd be going across state lines if I went to, you know, a protest in Portland. Um, but he traveled from Wisconsin to Kenosha, uh, with the gun, with his mom. Mom knew what he was, I mean, knew what he was going to do, not to, knew he was going to kill someone, but knew he was going there with a gun to protest and protect, um, And, you know, you had mentioned quote
2: unquote, because remember, our listeners can't hear you say protect, (laughs) you know, quote Um,
1: unquote, protect protect. property. Um, And, you know, you were saying yesterday how, um, you know, there is an open it's an open carry state. I I, I don't know whether does and carry do you typically have to be 18 or older, right, to open carry or can you just open carry if it's an open carry? I don't know if you know that. I'm going
3: to assume that it's an adult. Uh, I don't know Wisconsin's laws, but I'm going to go with the uh, fact that it's an adult. But, you know, again, different states may have different. It might be 16, you know. um, I I couldn't speak to that.
1: uh, Okay. Yeah. Because I was curious about that because I'm thinking, well, if it because there were times that that they encountered him and his militia cosplay guys before um, everything went down. You know, to me, it's like if you saw a teenager holding a rifle like that, I don't know. Maybe I'm just, maybe it's just me, me bleeding heart liberal snowflake self. But I probably would say, "Uh, yeah, you need to come over here for a minute. I'm I, I'm not too keen on a letting a, a teen just walk around with a AR-15.
2: Right, and then I'm like, well, yeah, because there's a difference between a rifle and an AR-15, right? I mean, a rifle, you're you're not able to shoot as much, as quick bullets as an AR-15.
3: No, well, actually an AR-15 is a type of rifle. Oh, okay. So That tells uh, you
2: how, how much I know. I but, wasn't okay, going to say anything. <laughs> can, I mean, is it is it a semi automatic I mean, uh, when I think of a rifle, I think, you know, <laughs> I guess, you know. You think right? of like a hunting
3: rifle. Yeah, it, yeah. It, you know, uh, one round at a time. Yeah, yeah but, uh, an AR-15 type weapon is considered an assault rifle, so it, it is a rifle. Um, oh. Yes, they do uh, have high capacity magazines. They're able to fire rapidly. Um, and those are—you
2: ain't using those for hunting. You
3: know, I, in all honesty, some people do. Really? Um, yeah, it's a hmm. it's a two-two-three round, which is a. Uh, not an uncommon round for hunting. Some people use it for pig hunting, like wild boar, mm-hmm. so forth. And then you could actually buy a rifle like you're talking about, Sylvia, yeah. in a two two, three caliber that's just a bolt action and, you know, go hunting or do something like that, so. That's interesting.
1: I didn't know that because, um, I mean, I did grow up around guns and grew up with hunters and, I mean, my grandpa had a two two three. so I didn't realize it was the same thing, so, hmm. <laughs> Here, I've been like, no way, those are machine guns.
3: <laughs> yeah, that's what they look like. And, and it, you know, they get a bad rap because of, uh, you know, how much, how many rounds they hold and, and how they can be, you know, made to fire rapidly. And they all, can, they also can be converted to an automatic, uh, you know, three-round burst or automatic, such as what's, you know, used in the military. Mm. Uh, those weapons, can you obviously can't do that with a single-fire bolt action. You can't fire, you know, uh, you know. 15 rounds at at once by just pulling the trigger. But, yeah, that's why they get so much publicity.
2: Yeah, 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 because when I see that, all I'm seeing is, uh, yeah, this isn't for any other purpose other than for killing people. Mm. Um, But anyway, uh, talking about, you know, him coming across state lines carrying this gun during our past curfew when all this was happening, past curfew, um, and then what's on tape, a video, is police officers telling him, yeah, we're glad you're here, providing him with water, um, and then after he shoots people, then you have, you know, these pro-Trump people, including Carl Tuckerson, idiot, but anywho's, um, you know, kind of justifying why you know the including the sheriff justifying the killing the murder the killing of the two um, protesters by Kyle you know basically saying hey if they if nobody you know if they had left if they had um, abided by the curfew
1: then nobody would have been
2: shot right not if everybody had abided by the curfew this young man would be at home safe and those other two people would be at home you know, safe with their families. He didn't say that. It was if they had abided, this, you know, they would still be alive.
3: Right. You know, and I'll I'll just jump in and just say this, you know, a couple of things. Tori, you mentioned, you know, watching this teenager walk around. You know, we don't know Wisconsin law and where that open carry begins. You know, the other thing I can tell you is, you know, being a police officer and having been out there, you know, I don't necessarily, I can't necessarily tell without a shadow of a doubt how old somebody is. You know, you have some teenagers that look like grown men, you have some grown men that look like, you know, they're still teenagers and and you get it wrong sometimes. I think the big picture here in all of this, in my question is why would local law enforcement allow a militia to come in and assist with any type of protection to begin with? You know, to me, regardless of your laws, regardless of, uh, you know, your geographic area. I mean, you know, if you're out in an area where there is, you know, very few law enforcement personnel or agencies, you're in the woods or you're in the desert, you know, and you need a volunteer type response. Okay, I can get that. I don't know much about Kenosha. I don't know how populated it is or what it is, but, you know, when you allow a militia to come in, this is the kind of stuff that you are, I would think that as a senior executive in law enforcement, you would have a little bit more foresight than to say, Oh yeah, come on, help. And, 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 thank you guys for coming and helping out to me. That's the absolute ridiculous part of all of this to allow them to come in to begin with and welcome them in without saying, you know, and I don't know if they ever did say it. I mean, I'm only getting from the news, what, you know, we're all hearing. Um, that the militia had notified them that they were going to be there to help protect property and and quell the protest, and that you know, um, as far as I know, uh, local law enforcement didn't tell them go home. We don't need you. Please don't right. come out here because you're going to cause more problems than 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 you're going to help solve. Right. Um, yeah, I think that's I think that's a big problem right there.
1: Yeah, I think to. I think oh. that that's what bothers me too, is that if, if, the, if the roles were reversed and the BLM protesters showed up with their own like protection security, right. Saying like, Hey, we've got our armed security to protect us from potential counter protesters there. You know, would they have been allowed to open carry like that? And probably not.
3: Yeah. You know, and that's, and that's, no, that's- it's, oh. it's, it's the law. And that's the question I asked yesterday. Hey, uh, you know, this, this, uh, male white walking down the street with an ar-15 slung around his uh his his neck you know i would wonder if uh you know i or or male black did the same thing if everybody would just drive right past us and think nothing of it
0: yeah you know
3: and i and then i put a little extra on it like i said yesterday you know my hair is long enough to put in braids now you know and so if i put my hair in braids and just happen to put on a big baggy t-shirt it, am I am I then posing a different threat? Although I'm still the same person, you know. We so be going I, to your funeral, I, I I hate to say it, Sylvia, but I actually believe you. You know, mm-hmm. um, you know, it, it just uh, that's the disturbing part of all of this, you know, and and we don't know for sure, but based on what we're seeing, you know, it, it's probably a fair assumption. And yeah, like black Lives matter supporters and. And I don't know how many actual African-Americans or people of color or, you know, Hispanics or, you know, were out there protesting. Um, You know, I don't I don't you know, the video that I saw, it's dark and people are kind of spread out all over the place. But, uh, yeah, that would be an interesting. uh...
1: Yeah. And I think what was troublesome, too, I mean, among all of it is troublesome. But for watching the video of him walking towards the police with the gun, with, you know, people shouting he just killed somebody he just killed somebody he even said I think I killed someone and not ever stop like not even just like okay fine don't take him down don't you know do all the things that you would do if the person was black but to not even like someone pull him to the side take away his gun and and try to figure out what actually happened that was that to me was and to see him flash the the four which you know some people may know what that what that means some people not but that to me was just like the level of white privilege in that whole scene and and to see the police advance towards the protesters instead of stopping having some get someone out of a car and just be like son you need to come over here for a minute we need to find out what's going on you know
3: yeah and and, you know i think that again that goes back to the root problem right you know and this is and this is just playing you know not necessarily devil's advocate, but devil's advocate, but putting myself in those shoes. You know, we're looking at a video, and let's and let's realize that that the person filming the video, and you can see it's from a distance away. And I'm not making excuses, but it's from a distance away from where uh, this Kyle Rittenhouse is walking towards the police. We can clearly hear on the video what the person is saying. They're holding the phone or whatever it is that they're filming. You know, we don't know that, especially in those armored vehicles that are bulletproof and you know, you're not hearing everything that's going on on the outside, it's you're hearing far less than you would even hear in a regular vehicle or SUV. So I'm not convinced that any of the police officers in there even heard what they were saying or were even paying attention. There was a lot of other background noise as well. Um, But again, you know, it goes back to me, the root problem, why are you allowing that person or any person or any group that has identified themselves as a militia to walk around. I mean, if you have a curfew, I would think one of the things that goes along with this curfew, especially when you have so much unrest going on and chaos and havoc, I would think you would want to take away the, the the possibility that, hey, you know, we got a curfew and if we can put a curfew down, then we can say, I would think, we can say, "Hey, open carry law is off the table." Yeah, we don't need you out there because protests are violent. People get yeah. in people's faces. You know, there's uh, a protest and counter-protesters. It's a conflict. Yeah, you know, it is a conflict. Whether it's a physical conflict or it's a verbal conflict, it is a conflict of ideas. And when you have a conflict of ideas, and when you have heated uh, uh, moments like you you know during a protest and civil unrest you're bound to get somebody hurt you yeah. know let's look at what's happened with people driving cars in the crowd you know people starting fights you know right. uh people assaulting each other I mean this is some common sense stuff and so yeah. to me it goes back to this root problem why did this local law enforcement even allow that to begin with you know and and we can Monday night quarterback everything that happened after that but the, the, the ridiculousness of it, especially now that you're looking at it, anybody from an executive level and management level, heck, even a, a a deputy, an officer, or a sergeant should have been able to foresee that that wasn't a good good idea to have that out there. You know, the, the problem is, is if you think that's a good idea and you think that's okay, that's the problem, you know?
1: Yeah, I, I I I totally agree. I don't I don't I I like what you're saying too around that. Like if there's a curfew, you don't need any added tension to that situation. Oh, yeah, and okay. I, and I think what has happened because of this this event and the event here in Portland is because just over the weekend there was a protest in Salem and a bunch of trumpers drove down from Clackamas to Salem. Um, Because they heard there was a BLM protest down there. And uh, there was a video that came through around some uh, Trumper protesters literally chasing down a BLM protester and knocking him to the ground and just pummeling him with a Mm -hmm. bat. And a lady, you know, went and sprayed him with with pepper spray. So it's like now amped up, kind of like what you're saying is it's it's like, I don't want to say war, but for lack of a better term, to this like war state of you got these two sides that are just waiting to right pounce. Uh you know and did you,
3: and did you see the video and I don't know where it was about the uh BLM supporters that went to the older the elderly white couple that was sitting at an outside table. Did you see that?
1: No, where's that uh-uh. where is that at?
3: I don't know. I just saw the video just literally moments before uh uh we we logged into this, but um you could see it, what looks to be an elderly couple sitting at a table and some BLM supporters, African-Americans, blacks are you you know, you know, yelling and cussing at them. And one lady goes and just literally takes their glass off the table and starts drinking their drink. Hmm. Um, and then from the video, you hear a glass break and apparently they drop the glass or threw the glass at the guy's feet or something. And you just see this couple that's just out there. It looks like they're just out. So you know at both sides. Yeah. both sides of this thing are are, are doing some ridiculous, unnecessary stuff, um, you know, and 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 it's only going to get worse if uh, you know it keeps going in the direction that it's going right now.
2: Um, and we get into you know these conspiracies because my conspiracy is here. You there's the cry for defunding police, and I'm thinking, well, because you know up here in Portland we had the um, pro-Trump supporter guy that was killed um, and, you know, m- the media making it sound like, you know, he was killed just because he was pro-Trump um, and that uh, it, that he was just kind of minding his own business when, you know, what we're hearing is that there was some kind of conflict. But even during the rally that he was participating in, they were using pepper spray paintball guns to shoot protesters and not one, not that I, you know, and again, I'm looking through newsfeed, not one person was arrested for assault, you know, with, you know, the paintball gun because that, you know, that leaves marks on people. Um, pepper spraying protesters because you dislike what they're saying. You're, you you know, it's not, they're coming at you, nothing. You're just pepper spraying them because, you know, you you just, I mean, just as a count, you know, just, just as part of the conflict. Right. So to me, I'm thinking, you know, is it that the police are just like, look, let's just show the public that they need us, you know, that in all this unrest, uh, you all crying defunding. Well, we'll show you what defunding looks like. We won't,
3: you hey, know. No, Sylvia, this, isn't, this isn't new. I mean, you know, think about, um, uh, what when was it? I mean, it was several years ago. It might've been Ferguson um, or Baltimore. And when you saw the counter-protesters, you know, coming out with baseball helmets on and shin guards and and in body armor you know not maybe bulletproof vests, but they had outfitted themselves they're coming there for a fight they're coming there for conflict you know and and that's what i'm saying we we know what they're coming for and we know that anytime there's protesters it doesn't matter what you're protesting i don't care if you're protesting you know uh flower gardens there's going to be an anti flower garden group that's going to show up it's just the nature of these uh, of these groups, and you know, and, and you put it out on social media, say, "Hey, they're going to have some protesters over here. We got to go counter protest." You know, so uh, law enforcement but, knows that,
2: um, right? But is there no kind of, um, you know, you can come and protest, and you can get in people's faces and yell at people, whatever. But the minute that you start encouraging your crowd to bring, you know, concealed weapons, you know bring your weapons, bring your this, bring it. Then to me, that's like, okay, now we're okay with the unknowing that people are going to be violent and we're not stopping them. I'm like, how about these Trumpers were in trucks? Where's your patrols to stop vehicles, pull people over. And they do it to Brown people all the time. Oh, your headlight is out, you know, under, how come, that wasn't happening like to because these folks weren't even supposed to come downtown. Their little parade wasn't even going to come downtown, mm. but it's like, once you start seeing this, what, how, I mean, where's the prov- And I, again, I, I don't, people could be overwhelmed, you know, I don't know. They could be overwhelmed with what's happening in their own trauma right now. I have no idea, but it just see, and this could go to, you know, for, for me as I'm thinking, you know, to me, it speaks to the mayor's inability to engage the police in good, you know, good conversations. I think the police also, and again, I'm not behind scenes, so I don't know. I'm just a regular Joe Schmo here looking at the, me, you know, news feed and my own opinions. But it appears to be as if, you know, the unions or the police union is saying, mm, you know, we'll respond We'll respond at our leisure mayor well you know there was a
1: poli- it looks politically bad that what and it was interesting because that you bring that up because there was an article on, on opb uh about a week ago where the portland area that the areas around portland the agencies around portland have said that they won't come to protest help at the protests in portland like they won't come back up the police in portland like mm. to me that's like a big statement that you're gonna sure. say to the biggest municipality in the state of Oregon and that you will not aid the officers in the work that they're doing there. Like that And whatever happened to Blue Lives Matter? That to then? me is like and, and and they're doing it in the sense of like, you know, a, a fuck you at Cape Brown our governor of like you you're taking you're putting resources and you're not doing your job and Ted Wheeler's not doing his job and this that and the other but I the the flip side for me when I read that I thought about okay, so what about the officers in Portland reading this and seeing like, oh wow. Wow. Like kind of so blue, blue lights don't, don't matter then cuz now my, you know, brothers and sisters in blue aren't even going to come and help out if we request it. You know, I I was I was pretty surprised at
0: that.
3: Yeah, that's interesting. We don't I we don't necessarily have that. We have a mutual aid thing down here where it's almost it's mandatory that if requested, you have to go um i'm sure some chief of police some city or some mayor could attempt to say no we're not going um you know i would hope to think that it was more so in an effort to uh protect their own city i mean you can only send out so many resources before you know you are putting your own self in jeopardy or in danger in your own area because now you don't have the resources there but that's very interesting. I've yeah, heard so
1: the, the sheriff of Clackamas County's uh, quote was increasing law enforcement resources in Portland will not solve the nightly violence and now murder. Um, the uh, Washington County Sheriff uh, said at this time, I do not plan to send deputies to work directly in Portland. The lack of political support for public safety, the uncertain legal landscape, the currently volatility <laughs> combined with intensity, intense scrutiny on the p- use of force presents an unaccess- unacceptable risk of deputies were <laughs> deployed directly. So
3: see that to me right there now you're trying to say you're you're making a political statement yeah right you're not supporting law enforcement so therefore we're not going to give you law enforcement you know and and we're not going to go and do our duties now that there is is very political and that's to me you know that's 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 him saying f you to the public and you know the reality of it is I think that there's a vast majority of people out there that still support law enforcement and want law enforcement in their communities. There's a big, loud voice right now saying defund the police and get rid of police and abolish police and those kind of things. You know, and I think what we need to do is we need to fix police, you know, not necessarily just get rid of them. You know, and again, as, as we talked a little bit yesterday, if you defund us, what does it look like? okay, defund us, take some money out of the budget, take some money away from law enforcement, you know, take some of their toys away. But what are you going to do with it? Yeah. You know, what are you going to do that is going to have a measurable impact for a positive result in the communities or or, or in the world? And well, Let and me I,
2: ask you that, Eric. If, you know, if you're out there, what would you like to see off your guys' plate? What wouldn't you want to have? I mean... What could you say, hey, I don't want to be, we don't need to be responding to, you know, this X, Y, and Z type of call. Or do you feel like every single call is a call that you all need to respond
3: to? Like, are there? No. uh, Law enforcement uh, over the years has evolved and it's changed. You know, it used to be just what it was. Law enforcement, enforce the law, peacekeeping. You know, then we became social workers. You know, we became uh, marriage counselors. You know, we became uh, now the big thing is mental health. You know, we became a uh, psychologist in a sense. You know, mm-hmm. we have to evaluate somebody's mental health. You know, now we have to, uh, you know, we, we have to be problem solvers and, and find solutions for, you know, homeless. Homelessness. Yeah. You know, and, and parking. So, yeah, we, we, we have evolved and people have continued to put things on our plate. And here's my theory as to why and I had this discussion with some other people. There are services, and I'm gonna speak about LA County. LA County has mental health services. LA County has Department of Children and Family Services, which will come out and handle certain things when it comes to uh, you know, child and family laws and crimes. Here's where it comes down. At least this is Eric's theory. At three o'clock in the morning, when it's raining and it's a weekend, None of those agencies want to respond. Right. See, life happens 365 days, 24 seven hours a day. Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't happen from nine to five. So what happens is, oh yeah, we'll come. Oh, but it's 4:15. By the time I get there to be 4:45, but I'm off at five, so my supervisor's not going to let me go because they're not going to pay me overtime. That's what ends up happening. And then what we end up doing is we end up handling all those calls from basically four o'clock till eight o'clock the next morning, but then really it doesn't stop at eight o'clock the next morning because at eight o'clock they're getting in there and they have to get their equipment. They have to get their cars. They have to get their debriefing from their supervisor. So they're not getting out till nine 30, 10 and then it becomes a thing where, well, you guys are doing the job. Just go ahead and do it more because what they do is they end up taking resources from these other entities, from these other, uh, uh resources and they you know people retire they don't get hired they lose budgetary things i mean it just runs the gamut of why law enforcement ends up doing everything and typically what it comes down to is we're the only ones out there at three o'clock in the morning on a saturday night sunday night you know tuesday wednesday thursday friday saturday night you know so um so would you like to like would you think that some of those funds can go to having Uh,
2: you know, mental health professionals working directly with police at all shifts to answer, you know.
3: Yeah, and and this goes back to if you really want an effective system, you know, um, you would need enough personnel across 24-7 to be able to respond to calls. So, for example, when we had a MET team, our mental evaluation team, right, uh, on a night, and I'm just thinking about, you know, I'm, I'm going back maybe 10 years when I was working working patrol, and I'm thinking about uh, calling the Met team uh, on a Saturday night. L.A. County is huge. And in all of L.A. County, how many Met teams do you think they had out on a weekend? Give me a guess.
1: Three. Well, I don't know how big L.A. How County many is on the team. The, are we yeah. talking about <laughs> a,
3: two people? Two people. Um, uh, well, I mean, let let me just, let's say
2: I'm gonna go with the number 15.
3: You, you were one over two.
1: What? For all of LA County? Two. I think, I mean, I think that's the, I think that's the, that's the issue is there's no funding for that. Like you can't, two people can't cover LA County. Like that's not even, there's no, there's no way. There's but no way
3: Team, so four people. So if we call so four for four people <laughs> and they're in Palmdale, which is ninety miles away from inner LA, and mm-hmm. and they're no on way. a call. No way. So they're not only are they 90 miles away, but they're not 90 miles away waiting for us to call. No. They're way. 90 miles away and they're already on something else. Mm-hmm. Or even if you're just in another station area, you know, mm-hmm. I mean, the bottom line is. And, the, and those were, and that was the law enforcement, that was the sheriff's department met team. You know, that was our own personal met team. I mean, when I say our own personal, but that was our department met team. So, what I'm saying is, if the Department of Mental Health is going to take some funding, you know, you're going to have to give people cars, you're going to have to give them equipment, they're going to want, um, I'm sure, shift differential pay. You know, and then what's going to happen is, if you do get enough people that are out there, That can respond, you know. When somebody's having a mental health crisis, you can't wait three hours. You know, you can't wait two hours. What
1: about well, and 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 I would say that if you if you provide, like, okay, so everything you're saying is correct because I actually worked a crisis team where we it was a 24 hour crisis team, and I mean, you say four in that that large area, we would only have two people. On, on staff for Multnomah County, all of Multnomah County, which is like, I don't even know, comparable, not even comparable to size, right? And exactly mm-hmm. what you're saying, because when you go on that call, there is no time limit for that call, because the right. state requires you to evaluate that situation to a point where if you decide to do a hold which is basically taking that person's civil rights away and compelling them to be taken to the hospital for further evaluation that mm-hmm. call can take 2 minutes because you walk in and you the person's you know clearly you know everything all the boxes are checked and boom let's go let's get into the hospital right. from 2 minutes to four hours. I And I have been on those calls where you're sitting there and you're working with the, the counselor that, um, you know, works with that person, or you're working with the family members, you're trying to get as much information as possible, and... It, you're exactly correct. Those teams are not sitting there waiting for you to page them. They're right. they're doing one call. They're right. you're paging them, and you're saying to the officers, "Okay, well, we, we'll be done hopefully in about twenty minutes. We'll get there when we can. We we'll get there when we can." So, right. this is this well, is all the system that is just fucked up. Like we don't have the, the the allocation, and 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 they absolutely should be paid a proper wage a right. person with a master's degree should not be paid $15 an hour to work with that level of mental health crisis, because if you've ever done it, which I have done it, it is exhausting. Exhausting. Well, I'll tell you
3: this story. I mean, there are people out there with no master's degree and no real thing that are some of the best that I've seen could, could, you know, handle people in a mental health crisis as well as anybody. So, you know, it's, it's something that we had to learn, you know, it's something that we had to do because we had no choice you know, and, um, but you're, you're, you're right. I mean, bottom line is, is LA County is, is 4,000 square miles, you know, and that's, and that's just the land part. If it. you want to Don't consider the water, you know, now you add another seven, 700 and some odd square miles or, or, or somewhere close to that, right? And the, the fact of the matter is, is that even if you put those people out there and let's say you get enough people enough train, you get enough equipment and they can run 24/7. Here's the other component to it. Unless you're going to give those people some type of force training. Unless you're going to give those people some type of less lethal pepper spray. Uh or, you know, are you going to give them restraints? Uh if they have to restrain somebody and forcibly take them for for a hold. You know, if they determine that this person is a danger to themselves or others, What's gonna happen then? First thing you're gonna do is what are you gonna do? You're gonna call law enforcement and then we're right back to where we started. People don't want law enforcement responding, but yet and still, they're still gonna call us out to respond, you know, and and I'll tell you what, what it ended up happening many, many years ago, um, particularly with, a, with one particular county agency, is that if they came to a particular area and I will say Compton, Willowbrook, Watts, if they came to a particular area after a certain hour, which was typically after dark, they had an agreement with the county and they would refuse to go and respond unless law enforcement was there as protection. So let me just say this, you have an agency and everybody wants to get rid of law enforcement. Everybody wants law enforcement to be out of the picture. We wanna defund them, we wanna cut them back. You know, and we want to put this money into these other services. But then these other services are going to, at some point, have to take some type of enforcement action. You know, if you send DCFS to the House and they determine that a crime has been committed, that a, that a child has been abused and it's criminal, who are you going to call? DCFS is not going to take them into custody. DCFS is going to evaluate it and say, hey, we're stepping out because we don't want to get hurt. This is your job. And that's what's happened over the years. You know, mm-hmm. law enforcement has been very active in being a social worker, in being mental health case workers and being these family uh, you know um, counselors, so to say. There are other organizations out there with resources, but what I've seen is that they typically start to dwindle away. They start to dwindle away and then it becomes a thing where we get a DCFS call, The social, I've had, I'm telling you, had this happen dozens of times. Social worker wants to go to this particular house at 10 o'clock at night to do a welfare check. Why are you going at 10 o'clock at night to begin with? You know what I mean? I I guess maybe that's a good time to go knock on people's door and wake them up, you know, or let's say 11 or 12 o'clock and wake them up and say, hey, I'm here to do a welfare check. Now, if you have a call, you have a ticket that says, hey, you need to go here and do this check because we have some reports of some type of abuse. Okay, let's go. I can tell you, I can't tell you how many times we get to the house and we're looking around. You're supposed to be here in a gold, you know, whatever car, that's the one, and and they're nowhere around. And you're calling them, hey, call them back. Dispatch, call them back. Where are they? Oh, well, I went to go get something to eat. I didn't know how long you guys were going to be. So you call us, we get there, and maybe, maybe one time you had to wait 45 minutes before we got there. So this time we're there in 10 minutes, but you decided, Hey, I'm going to go get something to eat. Uh, I'll be there in a minute, but guess what? We have other calls for service that are coming. So now we've got to leave. It just becomes this cycle of, uh, of a lack of cooperation and a lack of communication. And I, I just really feel like we end up going anyway. And when I say we, I mean law enforcement. So, right. It, well, I, I would think, be more than happy to provide communities with the services that they need outside of law enforcement. But so, I was going to so, say the politicians have to do it right.
2: Right, and that's where when they talk about defunding is that's why I asked is what would you want to get off your ta- off the table? And it sounds like if you know if you could get it off your table off you know off your plate off the law enforcement's plate is mental health issues probably you know custody somebody you know picking up kids ain't supposed to be there right now you know those kind of you know calls hey the neighbors got their music on loud you know those kinds of things I
3: Um, i would say that that's the biggest cry from the public is mental health right now but i would think that those calls that like you just said the loud music You know, the code enforcement things. Yeah. Um, You know, the guy's parking, you know, illegally. uh, The guy's parking on his grass, whatever. Once again, most cities, code enforcement is off at 5 o'clock. You know, the barking dogs, they could take all of that.
2: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So, no, I guess, again, I'm looking at it from defunding, which is moving resources from jails which you know which is used to house those mental health folks that need mental health services so putting them into you know places that can you know provide the type of care that somebody who may be having a you know emergency you know as opposed to in jail until we figure it out you know what i'm saying so using those monies taking you know, some of the monies from the jails, taking some monies from, and then also perhaps maybe hiring, you know, law enforcement that have a, uh, you know, mental health background, you know, that prefer to be out there as a law enforcement person, but who's trained and, you know, in mental health and how, you know, not diagnosing per se, but being able to, you know, understand like, okay, you know, whatever it is, but But my point is that being able to move some funds over to get the services that you're saying, hey, we need people 24-7. We just can't. Because what's happening is we stretch our, we currently stretch our budgets that we're, you know, we got to keep these jails up. We got to keep our law enforcement up. And the last in the line of support is typically mental health services. That those are the thing. That's why you only have four people in all of L.A. County.
3: Well, and let me just correct myself. I'm going back quite a ways, you know, um, when I say that, like I said. Well, let's just, and
2: let's
1: just support. add two more, two more teams. So eight, eight, more
2: people, teams. eight people for all of L.A. Eight County. Eight people for 4,000
1: square miles <laughs> is not <laughs> enough. It's <still> not enough. <laughs> and, and, you
3: know, mental health has been the, the uh, important, you know, hot topic here for the last several years. So more resources are going into providing services. Right. But but again, it really comes down to, you know, and and here's the other component. Let's just say that we had enough people for everything. Let's let's say that we had a magic wand and we could put enough people in all the right places that they need to be placed. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Who are the people that you're putting there? You know, uh, the big thing right now is law enforcement and, and the people that are doing the job, you know? And again, I'm not going to say that it's even the majority of law enforcement. I think that the the, the vast majority of law enforcement is, is good. You know, being a cop doesn't make a person bad, right. but being a bad person can make a bad cop. And right. those bad cops are the ones that are getting all of the publicity, all of the media attention, and it's making the whole the making the whole profession look bad. Yeah. But I will be the first to tell you that's our fault. We have done it. We haven't kicked those people out like we should have. We and we when I say we, the people riding next to them haven't stopped them, haven't done what they need to do in order to make that and and we've also kind of bought into a lot of these um laws and and systems going on that that allow us to keep doing certain things to certain communities. And that brings me to this. We go and we hire a bunch of mental health workers. We go and we hire a bunch of social workers. What is their connection to what is the biggest outcry right now? You know, um, minorities. Mm -hmm. What is their connection? And, you know, I read a stat recently and I don't know how accurate it is that 77% of uh law enforcement nationwide is white Mm -hmm. i don't know how accurate that is that's according to but but that's a problem that's a problem because you know and 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 here's what we may have talked about this before here's what law enforcement wants to do they want to say oh we're recruiting we're hiring and they say well hey i'll let's just say la county for example la county is is 8%, 9% 8% 9% black. So therefore our agencies only need to be 8 to 9% black and we fit the demographic of society. However, when you look at the disproportionate amount of contacts, the the very high representation of arrests, the very high representation of stops, the very high representation of use of force, you know, whereas those that small 8% of the population starts getting into the 40% of contacts and arrests and citations, that's what you really need to represent. You know, not to just say, hey, we're, we're, we're meeting and we're, we're aligned with the demographic of the county. You know, right. no. Um, you know, I, I don't agree with that. So I, I really need to just say that if we, don't, if, if, if we have a magic wand and we have all the money and all the people in the right place, but we don't put the right people in there, and you still have people that have a bias, be it implicit or complicit, be it a, a straight-up stereotype or uh, you know any kind of racist. We talked yesterday about you know doing the implicit bias test. If we're putting people in there that are going to impact minority families, are we not still doing the same thing? Are we yeah. not? Doing, are we not just doing it in a different form?
2: Yes, because we do have people that are in the mental health field that, you know, the same thing, you know, uh, with the same thinking because it's an indoctrination. However, I think we have a better chance, I would probably say, of, um, and, and the other thing is, you know, I would probably say there's more diversity,
1: I would, and I haven't, I shouldn't Say it. I, I like would say no. I, I would say I would say no there isn't I mean in social work right the majority of social workers are white females and that is a problem I think the 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 the, the reason why well, police be, get so much ratio,
2: what do you think though like because we said 77% of police officers across the nation like, are white What is white. the
1: percentage yeah, I could get know, it. I, yeah. No, you. I can get That would be easy to, that'd be, I just would be a I'd quick like search. To know that, and I, and I would say that it would maybe not be as high, but it's probably more than 50%. And that is a problem. I think that the, the thing is, is what people see is they see the death of a black person quickly when it comes to police. They don't see the long term death of black and brown youth, families, and otherwise in the social work field from racist social workers who don't treat them the way they should be treated, who um, maybe make recommendations. You know, you you have forensic social workers and therapists who um, do assessments and have ability to recommend what should happen to someone, right? So that there's a long-term impact, perhaps even death, because the person doesn't receive the care that they're needed. Um, So... I, I think you're right, Eric. Like every, I mean, we can take every major System. institution, whether it's medical, uh, criminal justice, or um, or social work, mental health, education. And you the lack of representation to black and brown folks in those systems is a definite problem. Right. A definite right. problem. A, a, a white student needs to see a black teacher just as much as a black student needs to see a black teacher because that white student may then actually see someone in authority that doesn't look like them and be like, oh, yeah. Mr. So and so, Mr. Jones, yeah, he was a great teacher, you know, and therefore now I have created a different neurowiring in the brain of that young white boy about what a black man represents. Yeah. So I, I think you're right. Like, you, you, it's easy to say law enforcement, well, look at them, they're 77%. But we have to go in every institution and say, this is why that representation needs to be there in all of those places.
3: So yeah. I just want to I just want to say this. I just looked it up and again, you know, this is this is Google. Um, more than 85% of licensed social workers
1: are white. Ooh, <laughs> See? Dang, damn, I, dang, I didn't know it was that high. Dang, that's damn. And and I dang. bet you the majority of those 85 are women. Are joined up. <laughs> well,
3: you know, and I mean and, and again, when you really go back and you look at the population of the country, you know, um, and then you really want to kind of go back and look at some of the socioeconomic problems that we're talking about, and, and, the, and yeah. the and the distribution <laughs> of wealth and and how uneven it is. You know, you really look about look at it. I mean, who's going to school and getting their bachelor's and their master's degrees? Exactly, that's right. you, yeah. know, you look at the educational system and 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 how I I'll just say un- underdeveloped it is in in some of these inner city communities. You know, who's really you know, the people that can number one, um, afford to go and get, you know, um, these higher educations. And I will not say in any sh- way, shape or form that are capable of going to get it. They, cause, uh, African-Americans, Hispanics, you know, everybody's capable of going to get it. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we have the brains. It's just, do we have the opportunities? Right. Yeah. You and
2: know? Yeah. And are we shown the path to reach those, Uh, opportunities. I mean, you look at who we have currently in, uh, heading up the education, uh, you know, department Mm -hmm. of education, Betsy DeVos, you know, she's, she's the one that is directing where services are going to go, where funds are going to go. Um, and we've always had that. I, I, I mean, there's, I guess for communities of color, it's like, we've always had white people telling us when, where, and how all all the time.
3: Right.
2: And it's not to say, I mean it's not to say, hey, if I ever got in those positions, I might be, you know, uh Ben Carson. I might turn into Ben Carson. <laughs> I don't know. You know God let's hope not. <laughs> I'm just saying, just because I'm a woman of color doesn't mean I also don't have my own you know, uh, anti-racism things that I need to right. work on. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Of course. You know? Of course. So of course. Let, we'll just yeah. clarify that because there are some really great <laughs> uh, white allies out there that are doing, you yes. know, that are doing some work. Absolutely. Um, you know that that get it, and then there are some Ben the, Carson's out there yes. and Herman Candace Kane Owens
1: that don't get it. <laughs> Candace Owens. I right. mean, come on so. now
3: gosh. Yeah. Don't yeah. This. You know, and, and I, and I'll say this, you know, everybody's entitled to their opinion, their ideas and their beliefs. And, and you know, silver, what we're doing is we're expecting that a black person like Ben Carson or, or, or Tori Candace Owens is going to side with, or have the same views and opinions. And we really shouldn't even be expecting that. Right. You no, know, we, we, we shouldn't be, you know, uh, uh, you know, I don't want to say stereotyping, but group, you know, like you said, there are some absolute, you know, uh, white supporters, you know, but it really should just be about humanity, you know, Mm -hmm. uh, doing the right thing, men and women doing the right thing. It doesn't matter what race, what religion, whatever it is, you know, and everybody's going to have their different opinions and think differently about a lot of things. But, um, you know, I, I think this world has to get a lot better with just doing what's right and not deciding, well, am I gonna ride the donkey or am I gonna ride the elephant? Yeah. You know, it, it, everything is getting too, everything's getting too politicized, uh, you know.
2: Down to a pandemic.
3: Down to a pandemic. Down are wearing exactly.
2: a damn mask.
3: Mask. <laughs> no, yeah, you know, I mean, it's, it's not about Republicans and Democrats. You know, it's about, hey, you know, I had somebody ask me, well, why do you wear a mask? Do you really think that, you know, this, this, this disease exists. I said, well, ask that of the family members who've had people die. And, you know, the comment was, well, do you believe that the, the CDC is, is, is boosting numbers and that they're relating a lot more deaths to COVID than are really occurring? You know, people could be dying of a heart attack and say, oh, they had COVID. I said, I absolutely believe that. But, well, what, I said, but I also believe that there's a virus out there that is killing people. And I know two people who have had it, you know, I know people who have lost people to it and, and we're not talking about, you know, they had some underlying diabetic, uh, heart disease, high blood pressure, and they attributed to COVID. I mean, healthy people who contracted it and, you know, they said this was the worst thing that ever happened to them. You know I mean? They they felt like one day they were okay. And the next day they were fighting for their life. Mm. How do you go and then tell people that it's not real? Right. And, and what it really boils down to is if you don't think it's real, that's fine. Just respect my opinion. Right. You know, and, and I, you look at some of these videos of these women or men or whoever it is, I've seen women, that people are talking about a mask and they want to go and cough on somebody. Yeah. yeah. I'm surprised some of those people haven't just gotten knocked out. Well, right. You know what I, I mean? Because, I said the same thing. Yeah, because, you know, number one, you're, you're in my space, you're coughing. on I me. Mean, that is just... An absolute disrespect and inconsiderate. If you don't believe in it, go about your day and Don't believe in it, but don't come and try to do something to me because I do believe in it, and vice versa. Yeah. You know, because I do protect myself, and vice versa. You know, it's just um, it's just ridiculous, right? Right now, and, and and this whole Republican Democrat thing is just it's it's, it's way out of
2: hand. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And on that note, vote. <laughs> vote. <laughs> vote. And on that note. We should take a break because I need a break to go to the little girl's room. So,
3: (laughs) all right, well, it's after seven o'clock. So,
1: well, we'll come back and finish it up, right? But, um, (laughs) I I can only sit here bouncing my legs so long. All right, we'll be right back. All right, right. welcome back to what are you bringing the table? All right, we're back from our little break. Um, we're gonna go into um eric's gonna talk to us about a little something he's involved in um i'm just gonna let you take it from there and it to me it's exciting to hear that you're doing this and i guess the questions i always have what are you doing um how can others get involved and Mm -hmm. how can it spread throughout your uh profession so go for it
3: Uh, i'm part of an organization i'm on the board of par and par stands for police against racism and this was an organization that you know was was founded based after the George Floyd incident uh, back in June, and you know what we're trying to do is we're trying to let people know that one is that there are police officers out there that are seeing the same things as what society is seeing. You know there are police officers out there, and like we tell some of the people um, that we're we have in our community general meetings is. I, I'm a police officer when I'm at work, but when I get off of work and I take that uniform on, I'm a black man driving down the street, walking down the street, in the store, going into a restaurant and being treated just like a black man a lot of times anywhere else. Um, Basically, what we're trying to do is we're trying to stand up against uh, police brutality, uh, as well as racism that's going on internally within law enforcement in the agencies and the departments. You know things that are happening to people and the way that they're oftentimes are being stifled within their careers or their voices so we have a board um some very strong individuals very talented individuals that i'm proud to be on the board with uh that have some great ideas you know like i said we just started in june so uh we're still evolving um, is, we, is this have, an
1: organization that only exists in your area? I mean, you said it started in June, so I'm guessing that it's only within L.A. County, or is it L.A. County and the municipalities around?
3: So so right now, um, it's, it's based in L.A., okay. and we have uh, officers from different agencies. Okay. We have officers from Long Beach Police Department, L.A. Sheriff's Department, LAPD, UCLA. Um, we have a bunch of my, what, what I would call kind of associate members, mm-hmm. and it's starting to branch out. You know, now, so what we do is um, we're having Zoom, obviously, these virtual meetings. And we have a board meeting, and then we would go into a general meeting. And the general meeting is open to community members, other law enforcement, uh, you know, anybody that wants to come and join us. And and we're really having some really robust dialogue and, and getting some great ideas from the community. We have a couple of people from the Bay Area that are there. We've had a few people from Texas that are there. So mm. Police Against Racism, the goal is to be a national organization. You know, we, nice. we want to be mad for, uh, you know, mm-hmm. what mad is for yeah. mothers drunk driving yeah. for what police is against racism. And we really would like to get, you know, law enforcement in to know that they have, uh, there's others out there like you. You know, so again, let's go to this. You, you know, oftentimes I go to a training or I walk into an assignment and I am the only one there that looks like me. Mm. You know, so uh, we know all too well that oftentimes, you know, uh, number one, it takes a special person to stand up against an entire department. It it really does. Mm. You know, oftentimes things are, are overlooked um you know you you really have to weigh hey do i want to jeopardize my career my safety out here with these guys to speak up against these little things and then what ends up happening is you know these little things sometimes become big things and then by the time you speak up you know something big has happened um isn't that what uh, happened with
2: what's his name michael doran
3: michael doran uh, uh um no, Christopher Dorner.
2: Christopher. Yeah, 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 yeah that's right. Dorner.
3: You know, and 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 that's one of the things. I mean, he tried to step up and do the right thing. Mm, yeah, You know, and and we're hearing stories of other officers that tried to step up and do the right thing. Have you heard of Carol Horn? No. Um Carol Horn was a uh, police officer back east somewhere and probably and I may get this wrong 10 or 11 years ago, um she jumped on her partner's back as he was assaulting i just read something
1: recently
0: about that yeah
3: yeah well this happened a while ago she got fired yes she got fired for that yeah and you know it's coming up again because what we're saying is hey trust me i mean what we're trying to say to the community is believe us when we tell you this is we have been stepping up and saying things for a long time you know now maybe we haven't gone to the media with things right but but we have been stepping up officers have lost their jobs you know, they've lost their retirements, their careers behind trying to step up and do the right thing. And, you know, they've been stifled. They've yeah. been stifled. So, what FAR wants to do is give them a voice. Yeah, give
1: I think. Them a- um, how? So, does it, this is an organization apart from like your. Like it's a is good it, organization. Is it, is is it endorsed um, by like like? Can you do it? Did I lose
3: you
2: guys. Oh,
1: are you still there? Yeah. Oh, yeah. There was some technical oh, difficulties I
2: can see on now. on his. I think you froze up a little on his end. Yeah, you froze up, Eric. Can you hear us? He, oh, he might in He's, have. Having, he's okay. having.
3: Can you, you hear us? Yeah, I just I was just typing. My screen said it says my my uh, internet
1: is unstable connection unstable <laughs> yeah. well you were you were talking about the organization uh, the question i had was now is this like are you is your or your profession your job they know you're doing it are they supportive of supportive. you doing it or is this like you got to do it 100 percent on your own time we don't want nothing we don't want to do anything we don't know nothing to do about it you gotta like you can't even say you work for us when you do it like how how, how yeah. You?
3: you know, um, I haven't taken it to my agency yet. Okay. Um, more, more so because I'm off. Um, you know, my wife is in it. She's still working, mm-hmm. you know? Um, but it, it's something that I'm passionate about and I want to be a part of the foundation of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and once we get it up and running, um, you know, And it, you take
1: I, it across. I, yeah.
3: How did the- you, how did you,
1: did you start it? Did you like, how did it happen that it got going?
3: Yeah. So uh, a friend of mine, a very good friend of mine that I, that I've worked with for many years, he's retired now. He was invited to the, you know, he was introduced early on. Like I said, I mm-hmm. want to say it started June 11th.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: So yeah. um, he was invited in um, by, you know, a few of the people that were the, the brain, you know, trust of it thing and kind of brainstorming it. And he's mm-hmm. the vice president. So he invited me in.
1: Okay.
3: Um, so I want to say I came in around June 26th, somewhere around there. Just okay. just a couple of weeks after, you know, they had uh, kind of started it, and so it's 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 been building, and you know, it's getting some uh, getting some attention. As a matter of fact, we we've met with a few chiefs of police, uh, nice, a few, a few politicians nice. that. So uh,
2: your job does know though.
3: <laughs> yeah. If yeah. You already, they, they already know. Yeah. they, they yeah. probably do. You know they yeah. probably do, and that's okay. Yeah. You know, um, yeah. You know number one, I, I'm not doing anything wrong, and number two, um, you're trying to make things better. Uh, yeah, I'm trying to make things better. So if anybody at my job has a problem with that, um, then then obviously then they have a problem with trying to make things better.
1: Right. It'd yeah. be pretty bad for them to come. In. I mean, like the question I would ask would be like, "Oh, so you got a problem with police being against racism?" Yeah. <laughs> you know, like yeah. you would. Does, exactly. How are you going to answer that question?
3: right 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 so
1: yeah
3: and, and you just you just gave them the, the the answer tori so you just if they were yeah. thinking about messing with me they're not now
1: right like <laughs> right. i'd like to see them especially now answer that question right. Right. Yeah. the record scratch <laughs>
3: you know but what we've been doing is uh we've been having some general meetings and again you know we get people from the community on and we get a chance to really have some robust discussions You know, kind of like you and I, they get a chance to ask questions. We get a chance to, you know, respond, um, give them some educational pieces about, you know, what's going on, let them know some things. And we also get to hear their ideas about this is what the community is thinking and saying about law enforcement. You know, and for me, I am a big proponent. I am a big proponent of of taking responsibility for our, our actions. You yeah. know, and, and I'm sure you all probably remember growing up and you know, if you did something wrong in the neighborhood and your neighbor snatched you up and took you to your parents' house, your parents would be looking at you like, you know, yeah. you me. you didn't do anything. Nowadays, you can't say anything to anybody else's kids. We have become a society of not taking responsibility for anything. You know, we've become a society of, it's not my fault. And you know, that is carrying over to, you know, I, I hate to say it, but what I'm getting from a lot of the black community is let me do wrong. Let me do whatever I want to do. That's illegal. Yeah. Just leave me alone. Don't say anything because we've been so oppressed all these decades and centuries. So I should be able to get away with anything. And and I don't agree with that. You know, I, I don't agree with that at all. You know, um, that's one of the problems that I have. I absolutely believe that black lives matter. No question about it. However, as an organization, if you want me to believe in you, I get it. When things like George Floyd happen, get out there and make some noise. But when things like George Floyd are not fresh in the news, why aren't you in the black communities talking about the black on black line? If you believe black lives matter, then they matter all the time and not just when there is a, a a tragic incident, you know, that happened at the hands of police. You you're basically you have stated you're against police. You're not really about black lives matter. You're about getting rid of the police. That's what I believe. Yeah. Yeah. Um,
1: I think part you know, part of the issue, too, is that the black lives matter is an idea. It is not an organization. Right. There are chapters. But the, the, it has been co-opted and corrupted and appropriated by groups. And I'll just say, like, right here in Portland, right? And we have a lot of black folks speaking up saying, y'all need to go home if you're about just destructing businesses. If you're, if you're one of these yeah. anarchists, you know, I just want to go break shit, which a majority are white people that are showing up to, the, to those events yeah. doing that, right? They, you, you have the black community saying, you need to stay home. You are not helping us. You're not doing anything to to promote our cause. You are not being the part of the conversation you are taking away from our message. And I think that's one of the issues with the Black Lives Matter movement is that it's become a movement and it's not like an official organization because you have folks after Ferguson that did go into some of those communities and talk about, um, you know, how do we make our community better? But that doesn't get press, right? That doesn't that doesn't get. CNN, that doesn't get, you know, all the major news networks talking about what they're doing. Of course, they're going to show up when people are are lighting things on fire and breaking windows and doing the things that are going on that are taking away from that fundamental message of we have a community issue here that's affecting the, the black communities. And we all need to be a part of it because in every community, there's some nefarious activity and it needs to be handled yeah you know it needs yep. to be handled and um so i've had another question about your your thing but damn it, it slipped my mind because we got on this one um that's also
2: comes with age stop <laughs> yeah. it shut yeah. up stop it
1: <laughs> not we only ain't talking not about only, that no only crickety knees but memory it's loss. true though it's true exactly. oh my god it's true i've been noticing a lot lately um so, oh, your organization is it like? Uh, are you working towards a nonprofit status? Um, yeah. And then the hope is then like, agencies and regions will have chapters and then just grow that way.
3: Yeah, that's what we're really looking for. We're really looking, um, you know, working towards a nonprofit status. Working towards really identifying ourselves. Are we? You know, there's there's some people that really want to be that had an idea that we should be politically. Um, involved Mm. and you know some feel like we should be about an education and support you know and and they really want us to get behind bills so there's all kind of you know 501c3 or Mm. 501c4 and how you how you label yourself and all that kind of stuff so we are working towards uh you know becoming legitimate and an llc you know incorporated within that within that framework um but yes what we really want to do is is expand you know we want to reach out um nationwide and have regional chapters and you know and, and become a real organization to, to be reckoned with and not just an organization that has a name out there but what we would we want to bridge that that gap between law enforcement and the community and yeah one of the things that we hope to do is be able to take an incident like the George Floyd incident and say there is absolutely no justification for that there is no way you can convince me that that was justified, right? But then at the same time, get credibility with the community so that we can talk to and hopefully help calm the waters when there are those incidents that just because it's a white officer and a black subject, that doesn't mean it was racially motivated. You know, it it really doesn't. And this is what we kind of talked a little bit about yesterday you know, um, you know, with with Mr. Blake. Would that have, would that incident have happened if he had just complied and put his hands behind his back and allowed himself to be handcuffed, you know, and I get it, you know, uh, black people are saying, Hey, I'm tired of doing it, you know, because now you're arresting me. You're harassing me for no reason, but it really goes back to this. If you don't do that, you are exponentially increasing, you know, the odds that something very tragic and very bad is going to happen to you. You know, now let's look at this. I walk up to a person, and I'm just saying common police officer walks up to a a black person and violates their rights, arrests them, puts them in handcuffs, detains them for, you know, an unreasonable amount of time, has them in the backseat of a hot car oh that's frustrating that's tired no nobody wants to go through that but eventually you get out and you go and you fight the system and what par is going to do also is 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 hopefully help people through that process as opposed to hey you know what i'm tired of being harassed by the police i'm going to take off running and i'm going to fight and now we're going to your funeral you're no good to your family at that point you know you, you you've you've done a disservice to yourself and your family because you gave a police officer some type of fear. And I'm not saying that the, these things are all justified. I'm just saying that, you know, um,
2: we- weigh the options, life the or options. potential death.
3: Yeah. Yeah. Weigh the options, you know, um, you know, when, when you, when you put yourself in certain situations, you know, if you're, if you're a person that does not like to be scared, if you're a person that you know you don't like somebody jumping out from around a corner and, and yelling boo, you're not going to go to a haunted house. Yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah. you're just not going to do it. Yeah, you know, if you're a person that likes to be scared, you, you you know you you look for those things. But what I'm saying is, don't put yourself in a situation that's going to cause you anxiety, that's going to cause you, you know, a, a possible deadly outcome. And that's what I'm I'm so tired of of people just jumping on the bandwagon without looking at it and saying, "Hey, what part did we plan this?" Right. "What part did my family member plan this? What part did, you know, the black community plan this?" Because yeah. until we take responsibility for our own part, all we're doing is waiting for somebody else to fix our problems.
2: Right. What I also like that you talked about, because I know this is very frustrating, is what you said is taking people through the procedure of complaints, because I I know that would be extremely frustrating for me if if that happened to me, the scenario that you said, being arrested in a hot car, knowing that I did nothing and was stopped, whatever, but feeling as if what is what who's going to support me it's my word against you know this person's word right. and i think you know people want a hotline to call to say can you help me with this how can i get this you know moving forward so that higher ups can take it or investigate or something where i feel like this officer somehow <clears throat> you know gets a um you know that something happens and it's noted hey you know he's got so many X, Y, and Z complaints against him. We got to do something now, you know? And I think only somebody in the system can actually walk somebody through that system because right. you, I would know where to start. Who am I just going to call the front desk and say, I'd like to make a complaint.
3: <laughs> you know, you know I don't know. It is to get in touch with some agencies to get a live person on the phone. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I won't, I won't say any, any agency's name, but I have a family matter that, is going on right now um, that, that's potentially in, in very light and very, very, very strongly, uh, looks like it's a criminal matter. And it happened in a, another very large agency's jurisdiction within the same area that I live in. And you can't even get anybody on the phone. My family member can't even call to report the crime. There's no, they make it hard. Right. And, and then they wanna blame it on COVID. Right. Uh, so you know, what do you have to do? I mean, I mean, how hard is it to go? And then when you do get somebody and again, it goes back to this. Do they take it serious? Right. Do they do they respond in an appropriate fashion? You know, do they do the things that they're supposed to do? And I will be the first to tell you, I have reviewed hundreds of complaints and I have argued with supervisors about how do you not see that this complaint is is, is valid? How do you... How do you not have a problem with what you know w- what was done out there in the field? And you know what I, I've been told? Eric, well, I, I thought it was my job to support the deputies. <laughs> it, it is your job to support the deputies by providing them with training, mm. giving them the tools that they need to do the job right, educating them, teaching them that, hey, this is not how you talk to people. This is not it's not your job to try to make what they did right when it's wrong. And so right. a lot of people have that twisted. A lot of people have it that, well, how can I write this to justify it? Because we don't want that stat on our line that says the complaint was found. Right. You don't want to put a founded complaint on the deputy's record. No, the deputy should not want to put a founded complaint on their record. And if you keep fixing it, if you keep making it so that it's justified, they're going to keep doing it. Somebody very, very wise told me, Police officers do what they're allowed to do,
2: right? And which we- is why we have these. Pro- which is why we have frustrated communities it's saying, a- "Hell no, no longer." Yeah, I was. It's- I was going to mention it's- that
1: that fatigue, right? Like, like what you're saying. Like, I hear what you're saying, and um, you know, I, I mostly agree with you, but I do think there is a level of fatigue in the communities of color that have been so disenfranchised and marginalized for over. I mean, for the black community, 400 plus years, right? Mm-hmm. So there's a historical fatigue of, of that, just like it don't matter. It, I'm damned if I do, damned if I don't. And, and we've seen so many incidents of it and so I think it, it I think it's a both end. Right. Like mm-hmm. it's 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 the responsibility. Community responsibility has to increase. Right. Connection has to rec- increase. We have to learn to connect with one another. We have to learn to to, you know, realize that I am you and you are me and that we have more in common than we have difference. And so we have to build relationship and rapport. But I think we also have to acknowledge a historical trauma on black people and communities of color that is there needs to be some healing right there Mm -hmm. needs to be some form of healing and we're all a part of that healing process right yeah we are all a part of that Uh, we can't just look at our ancestors and be like oh yeah they did this awesome stuff my ancestors did some shitty stuff too right and so i have to acknowledge that i have acknowledged that pain and hurt that has happened historically in my ancestry both my brown and white ancestry right like Mm -hmm. so i feel like there's a there's a there's just that fatigue right and how do we get past that fatigue for me it's about building rapport and relationship right because there are very few people like the friends the extremes those are those are streams they're just gonna be there right i'm not gonna gonna i'm never gonna convince that frothy mouth trump racist i'm not gonna convince him but there's a lot of people in this middle That if we just sit down and have a conversation and I talk about me and you talk about you, oh, yeah, I like that too. Oh, wow, damn, yeah, I kind of grew up like that too. Boom, then we get a relationship going. And then we can start building some community, whether I'm a thousand miles away from you or one mile away from you, right? I think Mm -hmm. with, with technology... We have definitely, and we're seeing it now, I think, because of COVID, the really need for connectivity, right? It like took a pandemic for people to realize, oh, shit, I miss seeing my coworker in person every day. I miss hugging my friend. I miss hugging my coworker. Cause I, you know, like not in a sexual way. Okay. Yeah. Consensual. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, and as my kid says, I want to go back to school. Yeah. Like <laughs> what, when would you think you <laughs> ever that. hear that from a kid, you know, right. take this tablet away from me and let me go back and sit in the classroom. Right. 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 Um. So yeah, I, I think there's a lot of, there's a lot of it and it's going to take kind of like what you're saying, this group of people that you're getting together to talk about, this exists we are responsible for doing something about it as much as communities of color responsible for you know really doing some work within their communities white communities Mm -hmm. you know whatever able-bodied communities just you know like we're all responsible together versus then oh that's your job or that's my job or you know that kind of thing so i mean i think it's awesome that you guys are doing it i um, I'm curious, do you talk at all about the impact I mean well, for me, it's always comes back to mental health. Sorry, I'm a you know I'm a social worker, it's what I do. Um, do you all talk about the impact of racism on mental health of uh, officers of color not mm-hmm. not just doing the job alone, right? It's traumatic and I hope that people take care of their mental health, but on top of that, you have racism and its impact on mental health. Do you, have you guys talked at all about that
3: do you mean uh, internally within police officers no,
1: your group your group like you want you want to talk about things that are kind of happening and so that's I mean to me that's another thing is like you as a black police officer are experiencing the the traumatic life of being a police officer right your flight flight or freeze your adrenaline all of that just on a just on a police officer level, level. and to add the fact that you're a person of color you you are impacted whether you realize it or not by racism mental health wise right Right. Um, basically what we're seeing now is racism and racial trauma has a lot of the same impact as and and can be similar reaction as is ptsd right it's it's a traumatic stress so just curious if you guys have kind of delved into that world
3: you know, I won't say that we've delved into it. I mean, obviously, uh, law enforcement and, and dealing with the mental health uh, uh, society, community is, is something that's intertwined right now um, very strongly. And so, you know, um, addressing mental health issues has come up, but not like you presented it. But I, but in, in listening to you, I think it's been therapeutic in a way for a lot of people to hear hear other stories from other officers, from other agencies, and to know, hey, you know what? I thought it was me. I'm not alone. Yeah, right. I'm not alone. So now that you bring it up, I think we are kind of helping with our mental health because we can vent and we can talk to other people, you know, that 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 have experienced similar things and they've experienced it somewhere else. Yeah. You know, it's, it's one thing to talk about me to talk to my other you know, uh, black counterparts in my department and, and we all kind of see the same thing.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: But when you can talk to another officer at another agency that's got a whole different dynamic and a whole different group of people, and but they're experiencing some similar things that let you know, hey, I'm not alone. You know, uh, I'm really not alone. And you know, the other thing that, you know, I talked about not necessarily mental health, but I did a podcast and the whole podcast was about health and the stress and anxiety that negative or racist uh, interactions with law enforcement um, adds to the black community, and you, mm-hmm. you said it that you know, tori that fatigue, you know, uh, they're tired, and I get it. And one of the things that I think Par is recognizing, you know, what it just starts with, it starts with just acknowledging, yeah, mm-hmm. acknowledging, you know, and, and and you know, you you get so much traction by just saying, hey we acknowledge that we've been doing things wrong. We have to do things different, but mm-hmm. you know, it can't just come from the par board, right? It has to come from, you know, uh, the agency. And you know what? And it can't just come from a chief of police at a podium. Yeah. You know, it, it, it can't be the message that I want to put on camera and I'm not mm-hmm. taking anything away from anybody that did it. You know, um, it can't be the message that I kneeled at the time mm-hmm. That the camera was there and, and I prayed with you, but guess what? Three months later, no significant changes. And I'm not talking about changes in the budget. I'm not talking about a change, in, I'm talking about changes in the mind, mm-hmm. in the culture, of and the expectations and accountability of what you're holding your officers accountable to and the expectations that you give them. You know, if, if you don't change that, it's gonna be very temporary. It's going to be a band aid, and eventually it's going to go right back to where it all started. But, you know, um,
1: yeah, I think you bring up a good point in regards to kind of go back to the whole defund thing. Right. Is if they did those changes, would people be crying for defunding? Probably not. Right. I think Mm -hmm. the defund a lot of that in 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 some of the root of it is about we want you to change your behavior. So the only thing we can think of is we're going to take your money away from you. But that 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 that's not necessarily going to work. I, so well, what we can I see I think what your, change
3: your behavior for years. Yeah, a decade, yeah. Decade, so so
1: now, <laughs> so now we're going to take your money away from you <laughs> right. because you can't. But I yeah I think that that accountability of um, we have to see behavior change, and like you're saying, we have to see people in positions not have those positions anymore if you can't change. Right, like. It's it's just that that I mean old boy network of we'll just let it slide we'll let it slide and oh well now you're close enough to retirement we'll let you retire you know if we can only rule the world well you know the I mean, three of us here. <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> you know. Exactly. We'd have all the- I mean, oh, really we, You know, <laughs> no
2: more problems. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, we wish you well. Definitely. Um we wanna keep hearing updates on how you guys are doing, how you guys are progressing, and you know, thank Absolutely. you, Eric. Appreciate it. And if yeah, people wanted
1: to know more about par, like could they find information on it? Is there a website? Yes. Is there a Facebook yes. page?
3: <laughs> we we have Instagram, we're on Twitter. Our website is Whoa. policeagainstracism.org. Okay. Um, wow, you are, guys are legit. We we're trying to be legit and we're we're definitely trying to ramp up our social media footprint, our presence, you know. Um you need we a millennial. All, well, most of us are, are, you know, full-time people working, have families and things, this kind of stuff. And so we're meeting in the evenings a lot. Yeah. And um, so we're, we're trying to increase our, our social media presence and get our name out there. But please um, go to policeagainstracism.org, you know, click on um, our our links, see what we're about. And we invite anybody, our community meetings, our general meetings are open to anybody and everybody. And I'll let you guys know. Oh, wow. Typically do them on Thursdays at, um, eight o'clock or eight 30, um, our time here. And, you know, we'll be making some changes because we do know we have some people in some other time zones. It makes it a little difficult, but, um. Yeah, please. Uh, yeah, man. we'll
1: we'll uh, put it yeah. on our Facebook page and um, I'll definitely visit. You need a you need a millennial to get on your social network, right? Like just okay. get yourself a All millennial right. a millennial. Go, go, go.
3: We actually have one. Get that millennial
1: and, on the Twitter Ginger. Yeah, where's Ginger? Yeah, where's Ginger at?
3: <laughs> yeah, we, we have one, and he's great. But like I said, you know, he's he's working full time, and you know, he's yeah. he's working, and and uh, and he's got, got know, his own and,
1: social media. He's got to keep up on. I'm sure.
3: Yeah, there you go. There <laughs> his you own go.
1: TikTok. <laughs>
3: he's got his own family, but yeah, no, we we are really, you know, that's one of the big things that we discuss all the time is is getting is getting material out there. You know, getting information out there, and 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 I will say this too, you know. Um, uh, we did have to take a step back and regroup, Yeah, you know, um, we were, we were going hot and heavy and, you know, there was, you know, we were steamrolling, but one of the things we don't want to do is, you know, we don't want to be a firework that explodes in the air with this big, beautiful light Mm -hmm. show and then just fizzles out. No delivery. Yeah. Yeah. So we want to percolate, we want to percolate, you know, we want to keep percolating and then come to a boil and, 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 and stay there, you know, um, and stay there strong instead of, you know fizzling out. Good. And so we really want to build it right the first time. We want to make sure that it is sustainable, that it's relevant, you know, and 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 that it's really bringing some really solid good things to the table that, you know, that that are what we call those smart goals. Mm-hmm. You know, we really want to mm-hmm. attain those and um you know, I I really feel really good about this organization and the people that that are that are on the board
1: so awesome I, well,
3: awesome
1: awesome well eric right. once again thank you for coming being on here not coming because you didn't go anywhere but coming on the podcast <laughs> i guess you didn't go we all you didn't go anywhere. drive anywhere. nobody you drove anywhere drive we're all Oregon. in the zoom world <laughs> um uh anyway thanks for being here thanks for being a part thanks for you know being patient with our technical, we, we don't, we don't have a producer. So, you know, I'm, I'm doing this all on the fly. So I right. appreciate you willing to uh, come back tonight and talk with us. And, uh, we'll put our stuff, your stuff on our Facebook page. So people know about you and, uh, appreciate that. Yeah. yeah. Until next time. Awesome. Nos next vemos.
3: time. Anytime. Thank you guys yeah. for reaching out again. And, you know, I always enjoy our, our time together and it's, it's, uh, it's always fun. Right yeah, now learn something too.
0: Right.
1: So thank you. <laughs> That's good. Hey, then we are doing our job. Uh, do, exactly. <laughs> World <in> right. domination. <laughs> Until next time, nos vemos. Adiós. Next Adios. time.
3: Daisy. Daisy, what you
1: say for, what's your safe word?
2: What's your safe word, Daisy?